You're listening to the Women in Western podcast hosted by Christina Miller and Cheyenne Draves, a lifestyle podcast where we discuss everything from faith to family, business and fitness with emphasis on the glam and grit of women in the Western lifestyle community. Grab a coffee and go for a walk or a drive. Let's chat and inspire each other to be the best version of ourselves. Hello, ladies. Happy Wednesday and welcome to another episode of the Women in Western podcast. We are so excited for this week's episode, but as always, we're going to start off with a recap and highlights of our week. So Christina, how was your week? Give us a little highlight. Hello, hello, everyone. Yes, really excited to be here today this week. Um, It's going to be a really fun week. I have really high energy going on today. So my highlight of the week was actually just a lot of little things compounded over the whole week, like a lot of little positive things that happened to me that just kind of made my weekend just really, really nice. It was low key, but just overwhelmed with gratitude. So that was my highlight, just getting to be really grateful um, and spending time with friends and family. Uh, How was your week, Shai? What's your highlight? Yeah, I can definitely tell that you seem a little recharged. So definitely probably was a very recharging week for you. Um, Little things compounded like that can always add to like our overall vibe and energy. So I'm really happy that you had such a good week. Um, I had a great week. We... (laughs) I had a lot of travel this last week. It was a little overwhelming. I was in Cedar City, Utah over the weekend, floating horses for my dentistry business. Then I was on the Western Slope of Colorado um, doing more horses for my equine dentistry business. And then my husband said, hey, want to go to Moab, Utah for Memorial Day weekend? We had no plans. And I was like, sure, I've already been that way two times this week. So me and I-70 are very well acquainted um, right now. I-70 is a big interstate in Colorado. Um, So we did go to Moab for the weekend. It was so much fun. Um, We spent it with family and we just had the best time. I'd never been to Moab and I told my husband, I want to go back every year. It was so much fun. We had such a beautiful hike. Um, The place we camped was beautiful. So it was such a fun time. But my highlight for the week is going to be something a little different and it's a song. A little different than what I usually say, but my highlight of the week was a song that I rediscovered. Um, it's I Lived by One Republic, and it's a very like old song. I mean, not very old, but it's like probably 10 years old. Um, I used it on a TikTok I made for my Moab trip, and I listened to that song, like a little clip of it to make the TikTok, and then I was like, oh my gosh, like I've never really listened to the words of this song. And then I opened it up on Spotify and like read the lyrics as I was listening to it. And I cried, Christina. (laughs) I was like, this song is so good. And for anyone that's kind of like scared about the time you have left in your life and like scared about not being able to do enough. It's it's like such a good spiritual experience to listen to that song and kind of reinvigorate yourself of how to just go live your life to the fullest. Um yeah, that's my highlight of the week is listening to that One Republic song. Like I said, it was a little bit of a spiritual experience, but everyone pause this podcast right now. Go open Spotify and listen to <laughs> I Lived by One Republic and then come back here. Um you'll probably have some tears in your eyes if you're like me, but it was it, it was I needed to listen to it. It was such a good one. I have it open on my Spotify to listen to right after we finish this intro. 
Yeah, so we're going to be doing something fun and a little bit different this week. Cheyenne's going to talk about um, her equine dentistry business and just the equine uh, dentistry field. So we're just going to go ahead and get started, and she's going to rock this solo episode. All right, guys. So today's episode is going to be just a little bit different because it's not going to be interview style or conversation style. It's just going to be me, Cheyenne, um, talking to you about my career in equine dentistry. A lot of people have messaged me and show a lot of interest on how to get into equine dentistry, um, want me to talk a little bit more about my career in the field. So I figured I would make an entire podcast on it. Um, This is entirely my experience with the field, how I got into it. And I hope that if it's something you are interested in pursuing, it gives you a little bit of information to make a decision if it's something that you want to pursue. Um, It is definitely a profession that requires a lot of commitment um, because it does take time to build yourself up into this career. So I will warn you, this is not a career that is kind of like um, get rich quick. <laughs> it's not something where you're going to go to school for a very small amount of time and be up and running right away. It's definitely something that takes time. It's taken me eight years to build to where I am today. And I recommend that if it's something someone wants, if it's a lifestyle someone wants for themselves, that just realizing, like anything, it's going to take a lot of time. Um, So to start out, um, I figured I would kind of go into my journey into equine dentistry, why I got into it, and then go through my career until now. So where I went to school, apprenticeships, and vets I worked for, and where I'm at now. Then later on, I'll break down the cost of everything, um, kind of like the cost of what startup is, how to... Um, run the business, kind of like profit and losses kind of thing. And then I'll go into what a day in the life is like for me. Um, I would love to kind of take you guys along that because I love what I do for work and my work days are filled with so much joy for me. So I'd love to kind of walk you through what a typical day looks like for me. And then I will go into the cons or um, the downsides of the profession and kind of what makes um, things hard about it. So without further ado, I'll go ahead and get started into why I got into equine dentistry school. If you listened to my intro to me, um, one of our first podcast episodes, I did talk about how I didn't have a lot of direction after high school. I knew I was um, smart and I knew that I was a hard worker, but I had no clue what I wanted to do. So I didn't want to waste my time at a university or spending a lot of money on an education when I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I did take some... um, community college classes at a community college down in San Fernando Valley. I'm from um, Northern Los Angeles area. So I'm from Santa Clarita, California, and I would drive down to Pierce College um, every, like, you know, every day. I worked down there as well. So I would commute from Santa Clarita, California, down to the San Fernando Valley, um, right off of the 101 freeway, off the 405. And if you're familiar with California, you know that that is a terribly, terribly heavily trafficked area. So I went to Pierce College. I basically took a bunch of equine classes and intro courses, and one of the equine classes was called Horse Production, and the professor was Patty Warner. And basically, we just spoke about everything to do with horses and kind kind of an intro to the industry of horses. And one night we had a equine dental technician come in to speak and his name was Jerry Gayona. He was from the Burbank area and he was actually at that time starting to get into the um, 
manufacturing part of equine dental tools and kind of getting out of practice of equine dentistry. So he spoke all about equine dentistry, teeth, tools, the profession, all of that kind of thing. And I just remember being so interested in it. And I thought it was super cool that you could make a career as an equine dental technician. Um, I didn't know how I was going to do it yet, but I listening to him that night, I said, that's what I want to do. And after the class, I went down and talked to him. And I think that's such a big uh, piece of advice I can give is reach out to a mentor and reach out to people. You're not going to be able to figure things out on your own. You need to be able to, you know, get guidance from people. And it took a lot of, you know, guts for me to go down and speak with him. It's a giant lecture hall and a big class. And afterwards, I went and spoke to him and I asked him, you know, where did you get an education to do this? And how did you get into do this? How can I get into doing this? And he actually urged me to continue taking classes at Pierce College and maybe consider doing what he did later. Um, but I <laughs> refused to do that because I knew that I didn't really want to finish a degree at the college if I knew that I wanted to do something else. So he told me that he had attended the American School of Equine Dentistry, which is run by Dr. Raymond Hyde. And so I instantly knew that that's kind of something I wanted to do. And I went home and started researching the school. And I told my parents that night that I was going to drop out of college and start saving up to go to this school. Um, it's a four-week introductory course, um, very extensive. Um, you know, you're you're working five days a week and you get your hands on a ton of horses in this class. But the way the American School of Equine Dentistry is set up is they have multiple classes throughout the year that are each four weeks long in length. So I got to choose which one I was going to go to, and I chose the class that was being held in Colorado. So I researched it, sent in an application to go to that class, and I was accepted into the program, and I instantly started um, saving up to be able to afford this um, program. So when we got to the equine dentistry school, um, you know, there are several schools that you can look into to going. So the school that I went to is not the only school. If you kind of want like a different experience, um, there are schools all over the country. Um, there, you know, are plenty of options. So if you don't want to go to just like the program that I did, you can definitely do a quick Google and research all different kinds of schools. Um, and depending on where you live and where you want to practice equine dentistry, you can see if any of the other classes are more beneficial to where you live. And I'll get a little more into that towards the end of the episode um, as far as like regulations and laws go. But uh, definitely do your research on which school you think will be the best fit for you. I personally did not because I just went to the place that this guy had told me he went to and I was gung-ho and all excited. So I got accepted into the program and it was a little less than a year from when I had decided. So I had a lot of time to kind of save up to go. Um, when I got to the equine dentistry class, like I said, the one that I attended was a four week introductory class that included room and board. It was on a working ranch in Colorado. Fun fact, I did end up meeting my husband who worked on the ranch that I <laughs> went to the school for. Um, but you know how this school is set up that I attended, the American School of Equine Dentistry is they travel to different places, obviously, throughout the year because it's kind of hard to find, if you want to hold multiple classes throughout the year, it's kind of hard to find that many horses to float teeth on because usually they only need it 
annually once a year. So, um, you know, every this time every year they would go to this Colorado ranch and I showed up. It was a working ranch and, you know, all the students and instructors were kind of just guests there, but we were given room and board and there was a cook um, that who also fed all the cowboys and then they would also feed us. So food, room, board was all included as well as tuition. And I'll go over costs later of what everything costs um, at the end. But I, you start out in, at the class that I went to. Um, we did a lot of classroom work. Um, the first full week, eight hours a day was all classroom. And they really did a good job of well, they do to this day. They still do. They really do a good job of teaching not only anatomy of the entire horse, but obviously very, very, very detailed anatomy of the head, facial nerves, um, you know, facial structures, and then of course teeth. And so there's a lot of instruction on all of the basics. And then, you know, with classroom stuff, we're also going into tools, floating techniques, business practices, basically all of the facts that you need to know as an equine dental technician and or DVM. Um, the class that I went to would have both dental techs and uh, doctors of veterinary medicine attending, and we'd have a lot of international students, so both techs and DVMs from out of the country. So that was the really cool thing about the class that I attended and the school that I attended and the school that I now instruct at, um, the American School of Equine Dentistry, is we have a lot of people from not only all over the USA, but a lot of international students. So we spent the first week in the classroom, and then after that, we start working on actual horses and learning floating technique, floating skills, and basically being able to see everything. We do continue to spend about an hour or two in the classroom every single morning, so throughout the whole four weeks of the class that I attended. You continue to learn through the four weeks in the classroom setting, and then once it starts to warm up, because it was September in Colorado, so we'd wait till it would get a little warm outside, we would go outside and start working on horses. The nice thing about the class that I attended is we had an unlimited number of horses. There were hundreds of horses, so we never ran out, and we always got to work as much as you'd want to get your hands on a horse in the four weeks that you're there you can float as many as you want. So we would usually work until about 5 or 6 p.m. until dinner time and then get some rest for the next day. If you are someone that's interested in attending the any kind of equine dentistry program, um, then I highly suggest making the most of your experience there because if you're spending money to go learn a practice or a trade like this, then you definitely need to make the most of your time there. And I, as an instructor at this school, see a lot of people come through that think that they can just skate through or it's going to be something easy. And it's definitely something that you have to work hard for and just utilize all of the time you have there because it is a short amount of time. So making sure that you are just engulfing yourself in it and taking advantage of all the opportunities that come, um, not wanting to quit early in the day, not wanting to start late, um, just giving your whole heart for the four weeks that you're there to learn all of the ins and outs of equine dentistry. So during the equine dental school, I was only 19 years old. So I didn't know exactly how I was going to continue from there. A lot of people that went to the school when I was in were either DVMs, authority and established practice, or they were, um, 
they were shoers, they were trainers, um, there were people that already had an in to the equine community in their area. And while I had a lot of friends in the equine community where I was from, I didn't know exactly how I was going to practice and create a clientele and that kind of thing. And I just felt like I wanted more experience. So I think that's another tip that I have if you are interested in getting into equine dentistry and you want to be the best that you can, I highly suggest after taking any introductory course like this, continuing your education and going to shadow someone or apprentice for someone. And I reached out to the head of the you know school that I attended and I asked for any kind of opportunity, whether it be paid, unpaid, I just wanted to learn more and get my hands in more horses. So afterwards, I asked, you know, the head of the school if there's anyone that could take me on in that way. And he set me up with a veterinarian in California that would take apprentices and they could go around with him in his uh, mobile equine dentistry practice. It was actually in a trailer. So we had like an equine dental trailer and we'd drive it all around the state of California and go float teeth. And the nice thing about that was we, he, the DVM that owned the practice already had an established clientele, so I didn't need to worry about finding clientele. I didn't need to worry about buying tools. I could just go around with him and float teeth and get so much experience. Um, I probably, in the six months that I was riding around with that vet, I probably floated probably around like a thousand to fifteen hundred horses in that time because we had 15 plus horses a day there was two or three apprentices at a time on the truck so we would just kind of go through horses and switch off every other one so if there was two of us it'd be you know back and forth if there was three of us we'd just you know switch off um, in order so I definitely got my hands in so many horses in that way and had all of those tools to be able to learn as much as I could and with this whole journey of my equine dentistry journey, one could say that I did get very lucky in the opportunities that were presented to me, but I had to work very hard and take a lot of risks to be able to jump onto these opportunities. Um, you know, I think a lot of people look at others that have been given really cool opportunities and they get a little jealous of, you know, well, you had it really easy. You got to do this. But those kind of people at the same time are not looking at the opportunities that they're just too scared to do. So, you know, if equine dentistry or in anything in life, um, some opportunities present themselves, but you're finding yourself backing away from them, really look in and see if you backing away from them is genuinely because you can't do them or because you're too scared to, and it's something that could benefit you so much. Um, I highly suggest just taking risks and taking every single opportunity that comes to you because they could be really scary, but you're going to learn a ton from them, whether that be good things or if you learn bad things, you know, you learn things that you don't want to do. I just think that a lot of my success has been acquired to my willingness to just try anything and jump onto any risk and opportunity. So after that apprenticeship that I did, like I said, I learned so much, but it was unpaid. So I did have to start making money somehow. So I decided to um, stop working with that apprenticeship and I actually found a job as a ambulatory technician for a veterinarian. Um, this is my next piece of advice for anyone that is wanting to get into equine dentistry. I think it's very important to not only build good relationships with your veterinarians in your area and we'll get you know, into that much later in the podcast, but having a knowledge of veterinary medicine, at least equine ambulatory medicine and being able to understand a practice in that way, um, I think it is super benef beneficial to be able to work as a technician and understand 
all of that that has to do with equine ambo practice because you're not only going to learn business skills by working in an equine ambulatory practice, but you're also going to learn a lot more about the horse and the overall health and um, just how equine dentistry contributes to the overall well-being of a horse. So I worked for a veterinarian in Southern California as his equine ambulatory technician. So my job basically was not only helping with scheduling and invoicing and all of that kind of stuff, like behind the scenes office work, but I would also make sure the truck truck was stocked. I would make sure that we knew where we were going for our appointments for the day. And during workups and procedures and stuff like that, I would assist, um, you know, in ways like prepping surgical sites and prepping for our procedures and trotting horses for lameness exams, that kind of thing. So not only did I do that, but when I got hired by this veterinarian, I told him that equine dentistry was my jam and I had just spent time at the equine dentistry school. And then I had also did an apprenticeship and I told him that equine dentistry was something that I had a huge passion for. And I wanted to help him with his practice by doing all of the equine dentistry for his practice that he didn't want to do. And I think that is another big thing that you can do as someone that wants to get in this field is make yourself valuable to another person that can help you out. Because it's one thing to ask for help from someone, but if you can't ask for help from someone, if you cannot give them anything in return, what are they going to want to help you for if you're not giving them any value? So I decided to add value to this veterinarian's life and say, I can take the burden off of you by floating teeth for you when we go out on calls. And that way you don't have to worry about that aspect. So working for this veterinary practice, I did all of the dentistry and it just gave me more and more skill and not having to buy my own tools yet. I used all of his tools. The downside to this, and I don't know if I would change anything about this journey, but I was only receiving an hourly rate. I was not getting paid per dental I was doing. Um, I just thought I was too early in my career to ask for any additional payment. I thought that I wasn't qualified enough and I thought that was asking for too much um, to get paid because I was still kind of quote unquote learning. This was about eight months into my equine dentistry career and I didn't feel adequate enough to be asking for um, payment per horse. And looking back, I think that I was way more qualified than I thought I was and that I was doing an amazing job and I was worth uh, money per horse. But you know, you live and learn. So I think coming out of equine dentistry school, if you're going to do something similar to me, make sure that you know your worth and you know how good you are and that you are worth more than just, you know, $14 an hour as a technician <laughs> to float teeth on 10 head in a day. So that was a very valuable uh, opportunity for me working for that veterinarian in California. I did that for two years. And in that time of my life, I was ready to move out of state. I didn't want to be in California anymore. And so I made the decision to move to Colorado. And in that move, I still wanted to do some equine dentistry. Um, but I still was not quite ready to go on my own yet. Um, I just was suffering from a lot of imposter syndrome. I didn't know how good I truly was. So I just felt like I needed more experience. So I actually found an equine dental technician in Colorado and I rode around with him for a while learning kind of how he ran his practice. And that was a very valuable experience for me because I had only seen practices run from veterinarians. And I think it was nice to drive around and assist an equine dental tech and see how he ran his business, how calls could go that way, and just gain more experience in that way. Um, another job that I was getting pa paid way less than I was worth, but in hindsight, you know, maybe I shouldn't have asked for any more anyway because I was learning so much. So, um, you know, I think that's kind of a 
big trend throughout my past career was just seeing that I wasn't um, asking to get paid what I was worth. So um, just make sure all of you guys out there, no matter what career you're in, you know what you're worth. Um, but after that, I uh, knew that I wanted a change. Um, I worked for that technician for about six months and I wanted kind of a change. And so I not only applied for a couple different jobs as technicians in different settings. Um, you know, I, I got a job as a small animal technician in a small animal general practice hospital. And I also got a job at Colorado State University's teaching hospital um, as an equine medicine technician, which that job taught me so much. And I made such fantastic connections there. I met the most amazing people and I truly loved my work there. I really did like equine medicine and equine equine critical care. Um, I really liked all of those aspects. However, you know, it was just another, it wasn't something I was meant to do forever, but it was something that was to be part of my journey. Um, in that time when I got those jobs, I did not want to stray away from equine dentistry. I knew that I didn't have the clientele yet, but I wanted to continue floating teeth. That was my passion. And that was something I genuinely wanted to do so bad. So I took the plunge and I bought my equine dental tools and bought my first set of tools. And this was Gosh, let's see. This had to have been, if I went to the school in 2014, I bought these tools in 2017. So that was three years after I'd even attended equine dentistry school. I was able to practice equine dentistry for three years after school without even purchasing tools, um, just working for different people. So um, I really think that that was a good part of my journey to wait because I was someone that just needed the experience and maturity in order to go on my own, uh, quote unquote, my own. Um, like I said, I'll get into that later. But yes, I bought my tools in 2017 and was able to finally start doing kind of my own clients. Um, I wasn't ready to go 100% on my own because at that time I thought that vet school is in my future. So I was taking classes at the university as well as working there. And so equine dentistry was just a side gig for me for a while there from like 2017 to, um, you know, about a couple years ago. So I still did teeth on the side. Um, I had my clients that I would travel to California for. I had some local to here, but it took me a long time to build up to more and more clients. And I kind of kept it small intentionally. I kept my practice very small intentionally because, um, you know, I just wanted to make sure I was doing everything correctly. I wanted to make sure that I was doing things by the book and doing things right. So I did teeth as I could. And so when I decided that veterinary school wasn't for me, I had applied a couple of times, hadn't gotten in, and I figured I could still live the life I wanted without having a DVM at the end of my name. I could still do the things that I was very good at and the things that set my soul on fire without the degree that I thought I desperately needed. I decided this was actually at the end of last year. So the, at the end of 2021, I decided to 100% pour my heart and soul into being fully self-employed and being my own boss as an equine dental technician. And I had always called my business CMD Dentistry, but I officially created an LLC called CMD Dentistry and went full throttle into it. Um, and I've never looked back. I think one thing, another big piece of advice that I can give, not only in equine dentistry, this is a lot of these tips are just for any career that you're in, um, especially something that, you know, you have to learn and want to go on your own for and want something to take off. 
you're never going to be 100% ready to go on your own. You're never going to feel 100% ready to be completely off of payroll from someone else and 100% self-employed. But I promise you the second you do and the second you dive headfirst into being 100% self-employed, it works itself out. If you give your faith to God and you say, I'm giving this business to you and I'm going to go wholeheartedly into it, you're going to be so successful, especially if it's something that you are good at, something that you love and something that you genuinely cannot live without doing. And for me, equine dentistry was just such a fun thing. I had so much fun doing it all the time. Like I looked forward to going to clients and doing that. Um, because of that, I know that's why I'm successful. But ever since I dived in head first, I have never been busier and I absolutely love it. Um, so transitioning away from kind of my journey into being quote unquote on my own. And like I said, I'll get into that later. <laughs> um, let's break down the cost a little bit of what it takes to, um, get into this business and kind of to maintain it. So, um, to go to the American school of equine dentistry, the school that I went to, it was about eight to $9,000. Um, probably upwards to 10,000 if you include travel to get there, travel home and kind of like fun things to do while you're gone for a month, uh, that kind of thing. So for that budget, about $10,000 for the American School of Equine Dentistry for that introductory program. Um, my apprenticeship was unpaid. So thankfully I was young enough to where I didn't have a lot of bills that I had to pay. Um, so I was able to do that. And, you know, thankfully for my, you know, I, thank God every day for my parents. They were so supportive of me going to do that. Um, it was definitely a very uh, tightly budgeted <laughs> uh, season of my life, but um, I'm very thankful that I was able to do that apprenticeship for so long uh, without being paid. And so if something like that is something that you're interested in doing, maybe finding a way to apprentice very part-time, like one or two days a week where you can afford it, or being able to take some time off, um, be able to budget to not get an income for a while, or if you can find a paid apprenticeship, more power to you. Um, and then when I finally did buy my equine dentistry tools, um, I think the low end of purchase is about three to $5,000. I think I paid around four and that was just for my startup stuff over the course of the last couple of years. I definitely have increased the amount of stuff that I bought. Um, but I think for just minimal startup, um, budgeting three to $5,000, um, for startup is a very reasonable price. Um, as far as running my business um, from here on out, um, I have set my cost per horse that I, you know, do income for. So I have one price per horse that does not go up, that does not go down based on the flow of the horse um, that stays at the same price. And I like to do, some people like to do it differently where they do less prices for a more maintenance routine float and then they can go up from there. Um, personally for me, I just decided from the get-go I would do the same price every single time. And you can set that price based on kind of your area and what you're worth. So I think a lot of people just try to go with the cost of what everyone around them um, charges, um, but don't be afraid to raise your prices a little bit if you think you're worth more than kind of the the rock bottom of what your area charges. Um, that being said, I also do not charge a call fee usually um, unless I'm having to drive like an obscene amount of, you know, miles for just one horse. I typically do not charge a call fee. I'll just set up enough horses to where it's worth it to me to go there um, if it's hours away or if it's, you know, six hours away, that kind of thing. Um, I won't drive six hours for one horse, but if you can set up a few horses for me, I would love to do that. Um, and then 
trans, uh, and then considering all of your fuel travel, you know, plane tickets, um, supplies. So like food to and from and, and all of your supplies that are really disposable and you go through really quickly, um, like the chlorhexidine mouthwash, that kind of thing, um, that stuff you're going through really fast. So just making sure you're factoring in all of those costs. However, my biggest piece of device and going into becoming an equine dental technician, knowing that you have to learn a little bit of business sense. So what I do is I have my own business account and any expenses for the equine dentistry business gets charged to that account and all that money goes into that account and I just get paid from that account. Like I have to pay myself from it. So CMD Dentistry pays me when I need to take an owner's draw. Um, and then that way, all of your you know, income, profit, and loss, it's all in there in your account. So it's very easy for you to kind of see what your tax write-offs can be and that kind of stuff. Um, so that's my biggest piece of advice is doing a little bit of business research and kind of having an idea of how to run a business. So now that we've covered a little bit of the cost of, you know, cost and what you can get paid and that kind of thing, I would love to get into what a day in the life of an equine dental technician is like for me. I absolutely love my job. My job is the best in the world for me. <laughs> and a lot of people can't do it. You know, I could never be a shoer. I could never be a farrier. And a lot of people, you know, say that about my job is like, I could never do that. But if this is something that you're interested in doing, um, it's so rewarding. And I will tell you why. The benefits of looking inside of a horse's mouth and saying, okay, this horse has very sharp points. This horse has a giant hook on his right side. Is it having any issues turning to the right? And the owner tells you, yeah, I can't hit the right barrel or yeah, when I'm roping, you know, like he won't go to the left. Um, it's so rewarding to be able to float that horse and the next day, three days later, the owner call you and say he's a new horse. Um, it's so nice to see an old horse that you go float that has a giant wave or a giant step and you make sure that you put teeth back into occlusion and then that owner calls you, you know, a month later and says he's put on 100 pounds because he can finally eat again. It's so rewarding. Equine dentistry is the most rewarding. I love it so much. And like when you do the job, you can see your difference immediately after, um, you know, you, you show the client, I always love to show the client before and say, Hey, like look in the mouth and then they can look in after and see your job that you did. And they're always so impressed. And it's just a really rewarding, um, such a rewarding job. Um, so a day in the life of me, if I'm having a nice like local float, that's just, um, you know, within my area, then I make sure to that morning, I pack up my truck with all of my tools make sure like I have my charged iPad and my charged headlight. So I make sure I charge those the night before and everything gets loaded up into my truck. Um, my dad is retired. So thankfully he can help me with my baby. He either stays home with her or he'll come along and bring her. I love days that he can bring her along because they're so much fun. And I'm just really thankful that I can bring my daughter along for those kind of experiences and she can see her mom doing what she loves. And hopefully that'll inspire her to chase her dreams when she's older. Um, but yeah, I love days that my dad can bring her along. He can also drive. So I can work on scheduling and, you know, um, charting. I can do all that while I'm while he's driving. Um, so it makes it really nice. Um, we'll pull up to the barn and I'll go greet the client and kind of ask him where to set up. Um, and we find a setup area and... I work with a dental halter with a sling mechanism, so it hangs up from like a rafter or a stall top or something, so I just find an area that I can easily do that with access to power because 
So the tools that I use do use power, so I have to ha be plugged in um, via an extension cord, and then I make sure that I can just get a bucket of water. So I start setting up and usually just chit chat with the client and get to know them a little bit if it's someone I've never met before or if it's, you know, a client that I'm really, you know, that I see every year. It's really fun to catch up during that time while I'm setting up. And finally, we'll get started with the first horse and go from there, however many horses we have to do. I always start um, floating incisors first, and then I do molars. I absolutely love being able to show clients before and afters. I feel like that's such a huge part of being an equine dental technician is including your client and client education. Um, between each horse, I'll write down what I did for each horse. Um, if it's a new horse, I'll write down like the signalment, like their age, breed, um, that kind of thing. And then I'll write down what I did for them just on my iPad. I'll kind of type it out. I'll get back to that later, what I do with that information later. Um, and then once we're all done, you know, I start cleaning up and I'll get the client's email so that way I can email them all of their charts. And then I usually receive payment then. Um, I do payment in like PayPal, Venmo, check, and it all goes towards my business account, like I said earlier. So then after that, we clean up and we either go to the next place or we go home. And it's just such a fun job to be able to go see people's houses, see people's barns, meet people, have my daughter be able to go. I think that's my favorite part of what like a day in the life like is for me. And then as far as like attire for an equine dental technician, um, you can wear like steel-toed boots. I wear just twisted X's. They're comfy for me. And sometimes I wear tennis shoes. Um, I wear jeans, just a pair of like Wrangler jeans or Kimes Ranch jeans or something like that. Um, I make sure I have a belt on because I do have to hook my motor onto my belt. Or I could just use some bailing twine and tie the motor up next to me. But I usually like to have it on my belt. And then... Um, I either wear a polo or a quarter zip long sleeve, or I'll just wear a t-shirt. Um, I am in the process of getting some CMD dentistry shirts and quarter zips that are embroidered, and I'm really excited for those. And that's another great thing about being a business owner is stuff like that that you buy is all a tax write-off. <laughs> so make sure you're researching, um, businessy things to figure out how you can do that. Um, however, you know, that's kind of like my little uniform, you could say I would wear um, Carhartt bibs in the winter is something that I do wear. And um, when I was pregnant and floating horses, I couldn't wear a belt to hang my, uh, like I said, my motor on. So I'd have to hang the motor up. Or with my maternity jeans, I would make like a um, crossbody strap to put my motor on my hip as well. So you get a little creative of um, your wardrobe as an equine dental technician. Um, you can like have scrub tops if you're going to multiple places. You can like put one scrub top on and then if it gets dirty at that place, you take it off and you can put a new one on for the next barn you're going to, um, that kind of thing. So that's kind of like what a day in the life is like for me. I do travel a lot for equine dentistry too. So um, I do have quite a bit of clients in my home state of California. And like I said, um, you know, you figure out kind of what's tax write-offs and what's not. And, you know, a lot of your travel can be expended into that um into that category of a tax write-off. So I'll always fly back to California and I have quite a few of clients there and it's nice because I set up that quite a bit of time in advance. So a month or two before my trip, I'll get a hold of all of those clients and kind of schedule from there. So a big part of my job is a lot of behind the scenes of like scheduling um, and that brings me to my charting service that I use. So I do have a charting service called the Pimbury Dental App. And if you're interested in equine dental tech, being an equine dental tech, you can um, actually just download it onto your iPad. It's free and kind of just play with it. Um, it's free 10 charts a month, I think like that. And then you start to pay like the more charts you need per month. 
but I have all of my charts in there with all my client info. So I get all of that info at the day of the dental and then I'll go home that night or, you know, that week, however many horses I've set up and how busy I'm that week, I'll um, do my charts and email them to the client within a couple of days of floating their horses. And the nice thing about my dental charting system as well is it keeps track of when horses are due. So at every time that I chart a horse, I'll say if I want to um, redo them in six months or a year and then about a month before I'll get a notification that these horses are due, these horses are due. So like I said, a big part of my job is just kind of like sitting down and scheduling, going through those notifications on my charting system and seeing who's due when, getting hold of the client, trying to schedule that way. And then I will also, um, you know, sit down and chart. So a lot of behind the scenes stuff. I'm also my own accountant. So I do all of my own income statements and all of my own accounting. Um, so yeah, a lot of behind the scenes desk work <laughs> as a business owner, as an equine dental technician. And for the last part of this podcast, I did kind of want to get into um, things to know about going into equine dentistry that I wouldn't necessarily call them negatives or cons, but I would just say things that you need to be aware of going into the profession. Um, because laws with equine dentistry can vary from state to state. So um, there are certain states that it is illegal to practice equine dentistry while you're not under the supervision of a veterinarian, and it's very important to research those laws in your area. So all of the states that I go to, and especially the state that I live in, I make sure that I'm very up-to-date on the those laws and that I have very good relationships with vets or a veterinarian in my area that I'm working with. Um, so if you do not have a DVM at the end of your name, it is very important to be working closely with a veterinarian in order to abide by those laws properly. I also think that's another reason why it is very important to kind of work for vets as a technician for a while, because not only does it give you a lot of understanding of equine medicine and just like the horse in general, but it also allows you to gain relationships with veterinarians in your area. So that way you're able to float teeth with those veterinarians if that's a requirement in your state. Um, and, you know, if you, you can do something like how I started out where you're... Um, floating all the teeth for a vet's practice and going around with them and doing all the teeth for their practice. Um, and then that's why throughout this podcast, I've been saying quote unquote on my own, because if you're not a DVM, there are, you know, you're technically needing the help of some other professional, um, you know, a, a DVM in order to help you out and come with you and do things like that for the sedation aspect of practicing equine dentistry. So making sure that you're having DVM supervision with sedation and having help with that. Um, because like I said, laws just vary from state to state. So if equine dentistry is something that you wanted to get you want to get into, you need to make sure that you're very up to date on the laws of your state. And that being said, there are also several organizations and associations that you can certify with, um, not only in the United States, but internationally. Um, one big, uh, I think, you know, one of the biggest organizations is the International Association of Equine Dentistry, and that is a association that you can certify with, and it does require a written and a, um, you know, practical course that you're floating um, in order to certify with them. So those are things to look into. You can go actually just become a member of the IED, which is the International Association of Equine Dentistry. You can go become an, a member right now if that's something that you're interested in just learning more about. Um, you can attend the conferences without being certified or without going to a school. If you're just really interested in it and want to get your foot in the door, that's something that you can go do and look up. Um, but different states do require different things, and some states may require a uh, certification via the IED or something like that. So just making sure that you're very aware of the state laws and stuff like that where you are at. Um, 
And I would say that's one of the hardest things about being an equine dental technician is making sure that you're doing things 100% correctly by law and that you're having really good relationships with veterinarians in your area and working with them. Because as an equine dental you know, practitioner or caregiver, our goal is to help with the overall health of the horse. And that also includes working very closely with that horse's veterinarian and making sure that you guys are um, corresponding care. So those are my biggest pieces of advice as an equine dental technician. Um, if you guys have any other questions about equine dentistry, you want to know anything more about it, you're more than welcome to DM me on Instagram. My handle is at Cheyenne Draves. I would love to give you more info on it and maybe becoming an equine dental technician is in your future. Um, so that being said, I also do have a reel on my Instagram that's kind of like a day in my life as an equine dental technician as well. So it's a reel that kind of just like showcases what I do. So go check that out if you are very interested. And my DMs are always open, like I said. So I'm going to go ahead and end the podcast here. I would love to hear from you guys. If you guys loved this episode, go ahead and leave us a review or rate the podcast. And we will see you guys next Wednesday for a brand new episode.